Rise and shine, rise and shine. This was my childhood wake-up call. And it was often paired with the switching on of the bedroom light. So if the shrilly sing-song call wasn't effective, the sudden blinding illumination would be. I don't know how you wake up each morning, but I'm guessing it probably involves light. I certainly prefer the days where I have the luxury of turning off my alarm and lying in bed until the sunlight peeks its way through the cracks around the edges of my curtains and allowing me to adjust slowly to the world of the living. But most days, I wake before the sunrise to the ring of my alarm, get out of bed, stumble around in the dark a bit, still half asleep, and then I hit the light switch and I really wake up. In our text today, Paul is reminding of the church of our conversion experiences. He says, remember, we were all in the dark, half asleep, stumbling around, but then God flipped on the light switch and woke us up. At some point, God has called each of us to rise and shine, and when he turned on the light, our lives changed forever. We became children of the light, as our text calls us. And as we read in 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So we begin to see ourselves in a new light. We begin to see ourselves as God's children. Children. You know, kids are funny. And I have a couple of two-year-old nephews. They're actually here today, so if you see kids running around. Um, but they're at this really fun stage where every day is a new experience, and they're constantly learning new things, new phrases, new words. The other day, my sister was telling me about how my one nephew had learned this new phrase. He wanted to show her something, and, she said, and he said, Mommy, Mommy, check this out. And she couldn't figure out where he learned the phrase, check this out. But kids pick up everything. They're imitators. My other nephew really likes to help his mommy clean, and so she'll be vacuuming the floor, and he'll get his little toy, like, popper, you know those, like, it has the little balls in it, they go pop, pop, pop as he push it along the floor. He'll get that out, and he'll help her vacuum, right, by vacuuming right along with her, because children imitate their parents, and as God's children, we should be imitating him, because like produces like, and light produces light. God's children should be producing the things of God, goodness, justice, and truth. So we all woke up. The light's on. Now what? What does being light really mean in practical, everyday terms? How do we do the good, the right, and the true? You know, all throughout Ephesians, Paul takes time to speak in detail about what the church shouldn't be doing to distinguish themselves from the common pagan practices of its surrounding society. However, when he tells the church what we ought to be doing, he sticks to more general themes, things like goodness and righteousness and truth. It's as if the good we can do is limitless. It isn't bound by a list of specific guidelines or expectations. Imagine if it were a seminary class. So what are you taking this semester? Oh, you know, I'm in a seminar with the Apostle Paul. And we're learning about the Christian life. 
You'd expect, if it were a seminary class, that you'd get a syllabus, right? Like detailed outlines of the learning objectives, maybe a reading list, an assignment calendar, major paper expectations. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, you might even get a grading rubric. So you know exactly what you have to do to get that A, or that B, or whatever grade you need to keep your scholarship. In this text, Paul doesn't give us a list of assignments to turn in, though. He just tells us to figure it out. Do your own research. It's a self-directed study. Figure it out. Seek out what pleases God. Constantly ask him what would be pleasing in every situation. This highlights our need to be attentive to our relationship with God, to be diligent in our prayer life, to listen to the Holy Spirit, because it is the Holy Spirit that produces this fruit within us, the good, the right, and the true. This takes us back to our conversion experiences that Paul's trying to remind us of. In the previous chapter, he tells us to throw off our sinful nature and our former way of life, and instead to let the Spirit renew our thoughts and our attitudes. When we came out of the darkness and into the light of Christ, with it came a renewal of our mind by the Spirit. And it is by this Spirit that we are able to seek God's will for us, to discern the limitless good he has for us to do, to engage in acts of justice, to bring restoration to relationships, to stand for the truth as we know it and have experienced it through Jesus Christ, who is the truth. God has made us light, but there's still darkness in our world. And Paul tells us next that we must not return to this darkness, but instead we need to expose it without allowing it to captivate our thoughts, our speech, and our action. Remember, we are light. John 1.5 says that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Instead, our light makes things visible. It exposes the darkness for what it is. But it does more than that. Light turns darkness into light, too. Paul warns us here not to speak of what people who are still in the dark are up to. So on the one hand, we're supposed to expose the darkness, but on the other hand, we shouldn't talk about it. How exactly are we exposing it then? This is not about forming a picket line to convince people of their evil ways. This is not about taking on the task of being society's moral conscience for all of its non-believers through our social media accounts. What it is about is bearing the light of Christ in the world. What it is about is our witness. Our witness cannot shine as bright when we are too busy talking about the world's darkness to engage in it. Our witness is dulled when we fill our social media accounts with biased articles, condemning those who think and live differently, but failing to engage them in a relationship. Our witness does not emanate from us if we stay amongst ourselves, lamenting about the world's injustices or society's lack of morality, and don't take action to bring about change. Light takes action, after all. It doesn't sit still waiting for somebody to comment on its Facebook status or sit still waiting for somebody to come up and ask it what makes it so bright. Light is energy. Light travels, and it travels fast. According to Google, the speed of light is over 300 million meters per second. 
If we are to be light, friends, we've got some moving to do. Light travels into the darkness, and it seeks to transform it. Light makes all things visible, and what is made visible becomes light. This is about helping others be enlightened to Christ. This is about waking other people up by shining our light. This is about going into the world in spite of the evil, the injustice, and the deceit, and doing transformational work to bring about goodness and justice and truth. In January, I had the privilege to travel to Havana, Cuba, and visit my church's sister church there. Central Havana Methodist Church is located in one of Havana's most difficult neighborhoods, where drugs and violence and prostitution are rampant. Eight years ago, the current pastors of this church were appointed to this community, and at the time, their church had 80 members. But the pastors began to help their church engage their community, to get out of their building and to be light in the darkness, and today, they have over 800 members. Light produces light, friends. You know, in Cuba, religious activities are pretty restricted by the government. However, today in central Havana, the local police turn a blind eye to some of the questionable practices of evangelism and outdoor street preaching that Havana Central Church engages in because the police have seen the ways in which this church is transforming their community and they don't want it to stop. Light transforms darkness, friends. Take Jesus, for instance. You know that person who woke us up from our own darkness? Most of his teaching involves healing people's sickness and releasing them from demon possession. Because when he touched someone's life, darkness fled. And when he enters into someone's life today, there is transformation. And as his followers, as his witnesses, he gave us the same power and authority to be about this transformational work in the world. Christ woke us up. He shined his light. And he calls us to do the same. So carry the light of God's goodness and justice and truth. Take it with you into the world's most difficult places and wake the world up to Jesus.